0: My daddy's gone on, my grandfather has gone on, my great-grandpa's gone on, but you still live. You know, the, the is still here. Oh,
1: they tell me of a home where those
2: Hello and welcome everybody. You're listening to It Still Lives, the Foxfire podcast where we take you on a journey through Southern Appalachian history, one story at a time. I hope you all enjoyed those really powerful stories from March. I certainly enjoy listening to the stories of different women within our archives and can't wait to share more of these stories with you. As I started researching this month's podcast, you know, I always kind of go on an exploratory journey through our oral history collection, um, just to find inspiration. And I came across a keyword that I hadn't seen before that definitely caught my attention. You know, in Appalachia, we get very focused on certain topics and to see the word gypsy come up in a search is not something that you would expect. Here in the mountains, you don't often think of (laughs) traveling nomadic groups coming through. Um, And certainly as soon as I saw the word gypsy, I have to admit, my mind went directly to stereotypes. I was thinking of Romani descendants, certainly people who would not have looked like anybody else in the region. Um, And so my interest was immediately captured. I started pulling all of the articles and information that I could find on gypsies in Appalachia. There's a lot of different research that'll come up if you just do a search um, online for gypsies in Appalachia. A lot of it trends more to the Melungeon population, which is a completely different topic, but going into the Foxfire archive to see exactly what it was that these students were talking about, I discovered that gypsies in southern Appalachia, in Rabin and Macon counties, were not at all what I was thinking of. Um, In fact, the gypsies that these um, individuals who were interviewed were referencing were actually Irish descendants who were horse traders. They were nomadic groups. Um, They had territories that they moved between um, and came through pretty on a regular, again, annual cycle. But to learn about these um, groups of Irish travelers was really interesting, thinking about the people who were being interviewed were descendants of Scots Irish. Um, The three people specifically that we'll be featuring here today would have been descendants of Anglo-Saxon settlers, European immigrants to the region. And so to hear them speak <laughs> so uh, sharply and judgmentally of these um, granted nomadic groups, but of Irish people, was, was an interesting and startling contrast to read. So I've pulled three interviews, as I said, from Lawton Brooks, Leela Gibson, and Hobe Duval. Um, there is a Foxfire magazine article with a few other interviews. And I will um, share that information on our website when we post this blog. But you'll get three very different accounts of the gypsies in the region. Two of them reference the gypsies as being of potentially Irish descent. And one of them, she's not really sure what they were. She calls them Spanish, um, but she also calls them Egyptians at one point. So it's possible that they were dark skinned in a different group than um, Lawton and Hope were referencing. Um, but it's also possible that it was just, you know, again, a group of nomads who had been tanned from their um, excessive time in the outdoors. Now what's interesting is, you know, obviously my first <laughs> thought as a researcher is, okay, how can we substantiate this, you know? So I went online to start doing just more oral history and it turns out that there, there was or were several groups of Irish um, nomads, gypsies in the region, who called themselves Irish Travelers, and they actually ended up settling as a larger group um, once kind of the days of horse trading were over in the 1940s and 1950s, um, just outside of Augusta, Georgia, in a place called Murphy Village, South Carolina. And this is uh, coincidentally at the same time that Hope Duval mentions that he stops seeing gypsies up here um, or the, the traders as he calls them. Um, and the reason that they settled in this area is because there was an Irish priest, Father Joseph Murphy, who worked at a parish in Augusta, um, who wanted to establish a mission in South Carolina, just outside of Augusta just across the border, and he invited these travelers to come and make their roots there. And so this whole community of um, descendants of Irish travelers was established around this church. And the church is there today, and it's known as um, St. Edward's. And um, the community, apparently, from what I was able to find, is still very vibrant, um, but it's also still very insular. So it is uh, very much a close-knit, closed community. And there are still a lot of controversies around (laughs) the Irish descendants of this group. Some outsiders still view them very much as we stereotypically view gypsies. And you'll hear this perspective echoed in the accounts from Lawton and Leela with a lot of judgment, um, a lot of uh, accusations of stealing, and... um, outwitting people. And surprisingly, those stereotypes are continued today. Um, If you just do searches (laughs) as i did you'll see there have been a lot of arrests for like fraud from members of this community and so it's interesting to see some of these stereotypes that we associate with another type of gypsies applied to what we would consider a non-typical group of gypsies i don't think i've ever thought of an irish person as a gypsy before but also to see those stereotypes continued into modern day and to see some of these relations between communities continued today so anyway, that's probably enough nerding out on my point. Um, I'm sure you all just want to listen to those stories. But if you're interested in this topic um, and want to learn more or want to discuss it more, please feel free. Shoot me an email at foxfire.org. I'd be happy to send you some of the research that I came across and certainly more information from the Foxfire archives themselves. So our first interview, as I said, comes from Lawton Brooks, and he is telling a story of having his fortune told and an encounter he had with the gypsies, trading horses, and how he was outwitted.
3: Okay, Lott, you tell us. you tell us about the gypsies.
4: Well, i just asking if you believe that they can tell you the fortune and tell you the truth.
3: I don't know. I have my fortune told one, not really my fortune, but I think some people have certain well, insights. I,
4: well, I'll tell you what now. That, uh, that gypsy, she hit me she hit mine and it worked out and still works out and I think of it every once in a while. It's exactly what that woman told me. Well,
3: tell us about it. Where did you, where
1: did you find her? Well,
4: I was uh, I was in the mill, running the mill, and they all all used to travel by with horses and bugging all the horse traders. Get to the worst horse traders they they all had a gang of horses of all kinds, dragging them along with them and this old, uh, the main one, she had a little Shetland Pony, to a little Shetland Pony buggy, you know, just room for one to ride in there, and she was a fat lady. And they come down by, and they are going on down a, down a blow our house about a mile, what they call the Herbert Ford. Down where they forded the river, they not had no bridges, and they forded it. When the river wasn't up, they, they'd forded So, uh, They'd go down there, and they'd camp there, and they'd stay there for two or three weeks at a time. Good trading post. there, horses. the roads come in there, two or three roads come in there, different ways, you know. And they'd put up, uh, one of them big birch trees and things there, and it's a good place for them to stay, and they'd put up camp, and they'd stay sometimes two weeks there, and swapping horses. And they come on down by there, from towards Hiawassee. So I'd stand out there on the mail and door, and seen a gang of them go down, I noticed it was a gypsy directory, uh, this lady come down in that little Chetland pony buggy, she just turned in and drove into the mill, and got out in the morning to buy some corn. And, uh, I told her, I said, I didn't, I ain't got it. I sold out, I didn't have it. I, the man just got the last bushel I had, and had box to scrape the box yet. And a fella come in then with some corn, and grind while we were talking, I you she won't tell my fortune. And I told her that, uh, I didn't want to know nothing about it. My fortune would be bad anyway. She said, no. She said, you got a good fortune. I said, I'm terrible looking at you. You've got a good fortune. She said, I'll tell you what I'll do. "Says said, if you'll let me have a peck of meal to eat, and it's just a, a quarter of a peck. And uh, she said, I'll tell you a fortune. And says, i tell him for two dollars and a half. But said, I'll tell you one because I'm needing the meal for supper. She said, I'll tell you one. Well, I studied the minute I didn't know no way, and I said, well, I said, I believe I'll do And I throwed that other man's corn up, and I told it, you know, and it come out just a peck. So, I just tuck her, I put, throwed it all up, and went to ground it, went to ground out a peck, I poked her up a peck. She told my boy, and then by the way, she hit it. And she told me things that, uh, that I know done well, nobody didn't know but me. And she hit it right over the nail head. <coughs> and she said, I'd live to be a, very old man, and said, I'd handle lots of money, but said, you never lay up no money. And I have. I've had lots of money in my days, but i never did uh, lay up no money.
3: What else did
4: she say? And uh, she just hit it right on the nail head and told me about the girls. I was courting two girls in. I was going to see one in one direction, another in another, and I, like I
1: was that. slipping
4: backwards and forwards. And she told me, she told me at the that the black-headed girl thought a whole lot more of them than the blonde-headed girl did. And, uh, but I thought it was right the other way, but it worked out it wasn't. It was right the way she said it was all the time. And she told me about them girls, and told me the color of their hair and everything, and I know she'd never laid eyes on one of them. And how they done it, how she done it, I, God only knows I don't. But now she hit that. They, 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 they horses for a living. That's the way they do. They tell horses. They mm-hmm. horses, tell horses. That's what they've done for their living. And uh, they'd swap horses for the boot, and they'd always ask the fellow boot for you. Give it or not, they'd always ask the boot. Well,
3: did and they ever trade
4: anything else? Uh, no, I didn't know if they ever traded anything but just horses. All ever I traded in with them. I traded them. Uh, I traded horses with them lots of times. I got one of a horse off them. Of it wasn't worth a dime. That thing wouldn't work no way. But they kicked, I geared it off them off of every time I put them on. I kept him to a bunch of them come back and traded him right back in. Got me a good mule. <laughs> you traded
3: to another bunch? of you Yeah,
4: ones? another bunch. They'd come down. I'd trade. i trade them to another
3: bunch.
4: They'd come along every summer. They'd come along. i well. Oh, they'd be there. They'd be three or four times during the summer. They'd be a camping out for a week at a time. Would come yeah, yeah, different ones. They'd come, to.
3: Well, where did they come from? I don't know
4: now. That's one place I never have found out where the gypsies come from. Where is their part business?
3: Well, Mr. Duval said that they were from Ireland. And he said they didn't like to be called gypsies. He said they wanted to be called Irish traders. Yeah. That's what yeah. he
4: said. Yeah, but they called them gypsies.
3: Right. Well, what did the people in your area think about, what did they think of
4: the gypsies? Well, uh, they just thought, that uh, they, they liked them to come along, and people. did. They'd go down and swap horses with them. Sometimes they'd get some pretty good and sometimes they'd get some bad. Sometimes they'd have some, maybe you know, they'd trade for some, maybe right there in the country that maybe you'd been wanting to trade for and you couldn't trade for it and they could trade. Mm-hmm. Then you could trade with the gypsies. Gypsy trade with you somewhere or another. Yeah. When you get in with them.
3: Mr. Duval said they were real good traders. They
4: were good traders. You bet they are good traders. Did the people
3: around here or around uh, Hazel think that the Gypsies would cheat them? Oh, yeah,
4: they know they would if they got a chance, but the people around out, they'd cheat the gypsies if they could. Yeah. So we'd just one well the other. horse trader, he's going to beat a man if he can, all of them. But I made, I got one bad trade off of him, and the rest of the time I done pretty good. I, uh, when I traded for that, when I traded one for a mule, I made the best trade I ever made, though. I kept that old mule a long, long time. It was an awful good mule. But I traded with them lots and lots of times. Traded them all back and forth horses to them.
3: So what did they look like?
4: They're kind the, oh. yeah, the, of colored like. And and most of them is low people. ain't many of them tall. Most of them is heavy set. Yeah. So that lady told me, my poor, she's a big fat woman. Well, they, they're, 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 be- nice, they're nice looking people. Gypties are nice looking people. Mm-hmm. But all of them ever I seen, that all they thought about was trading and swapping.
2: Our second interview today comes from Leela Gibson. She has kind of a back and forth view on the gypsies, Um, especially she's not entirely sure where they came from. It seems it might have been a clouded memory a bit, but she does have an interesting tale about them kind of outwitting the whole town. And um, they had this ploy to uh, clean everybody's feather pillows and feather ticks, which were their mattresses. And how they outsmarted everyone um, and were able to steal away some of their feathers. Uh, well, the these Spanish people were
5: dark complected, and they were some Egyptians with them that fortune told told your fortune, mm-hmm. and uh, so these uh, Egyptians. I mean, yeah, these. Uh, Spaniards they uh, Come around to every residence and all the boarding houses hotels and so on there wasn't any motels of that day, you know, it was hotels Mm -hmm. and uh, so they had a fruit jar a glass fruit jar and they had spiders and worms and millers, and moths, and all different kinds of uh, uh, insects, and they, they showed this to the people, and they told them that in these feather beds and pillars that they were, they had these uh, insects in them and it was dangerous that they might uh, cut through and injure their bodies maybe their eyes or their nose or in their ears especially all the cavities of the face you know and it scared the people so they, they they said now we're a fire so they had a pile of scales They weighed the feathers and the ticking to each customer and when they got all of Macon County and Franklin around, when they got all this renovation done, as they called it, you know, where they cleaned the feathers, washed the ticks and starched and ironed them brought them back and weighed them back to them. Well, they weighed the same as they did when they took them away. And when the feathers got real dry, the solution that they took them through, when they got real dry, they didn't have the feathers. There wasn't a pound of feathers to each pillar and each Uh, And all the feather beds, they were about three or four pounds of feathers. They stole them. They took them. And then charged them for the renovation.
3: Well, did you say that the Spanish people had fortune tellers with them? Oh, yeah. Did you you ever get your fortune told, or do you know anyone who did?
5: Yeah. Well, I was too little at that time, you know. I didn't but lots of them did and said that they hit pretty good. Oh, really? Yeah, that they did. I, I'll tell you, there's people in this world that can tell you things. I do know that. Cause I, I, when I was a grown young lady and even after I was married, I had my fortune told two or three times and they even told me my child's name, told me my name, told me my husband's name, told me my husband was locomotive engineer, and told me that uh, he that we was, uh, we recently had built a home which we had and it says uh, in less than five years, your husband will die, and you will put your child in a school and you will travel east and you will buy a home there and live there for a period from twelve to thirteen years. Well that's truth. That much was true. Whether she guessed at it or not, now I don't know. But she told me to raise my, take my thumb and forefinger and raise it gently and she'd tell me my two
2: bitterest enemies. And she did. Our final interview comes from Hobe Duval, and he provides a drastically different perspective than the other folks featured in the Foxfire Magazine article and in this podcast today. And he praises the Irish traders on um, being so smart. And he believes that Other people didn't like them because they were so smart and they were able to outsmart other people. And I think Hope Duval had a history as a horse trader. And so I think he recognized in another person, um, you know, the qualities that would make somebody a good horse trader. And so I think for that reason, because they were in a similar trade, I think he actually found some respect for them. So I hope you enjoy this kind of different perspective. Um, as a contrast to the other two interviews we've already shared.
0: Folks want to call them gypsies, but they're Irish traders. They come from Ireland, where they originated from. And they were smart people. A lot of folks accused them of being thieves and rogues and this, that, and other. They didn't steal. They'd, they'd trade you out of your clothes if you'd let them. And they'd leave you almost nude. But they were... Uh, if they owed you, they'd pay you, and they are way better people than they got credit for being. You know how any time that somebody out trades you or out you, you don't think as much of them as if you could with them. Now, that's the truth yeah. <laughs> about the Irish traders. But, uh, the women were the bankers. They kept the money. When the men had to have it, well, they'd go to the bank. You know, in other words, they traveled all the time. They never stayed nowhere over a week at a time. And they were moving all the time. But, uh, they were a lot better people than they got credit for being. Because, naturally, if they out-traded a farmer, he didn't think much of it. <laughs> He'd give right. a bad name, which they still do that here in life. But, uh, I don't know too much about them. In other words, I never did marry into them. They, they married in families. In other words, They'd marry their second and first cousins. I mean, they did that in order to keep their tribe together, don't you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, they were yeah. a lot better people than they got credit for being.
3: Well, let's see. Um, was there just one group of them that came up to this area?
0: No. They were the Maguires. Tommy Maguire was, a, was always called a Gypsy, but he was an Irish trader. Uh-huh. He was an auctioneer, one of the smartest auctioneers I've ever met. He could talk as fast as three men, and you know what I mean, and knew when he was getting ditched in a big crowd that way. Mm-hmm. He was really, really a good auctioneer. They were the McGuire's. Uh,
3: that was but, one group,
0: the McGuire's. Uh-huh, and the had had and, Uh. Let me see, you know, uh, it's been several years since I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, O'Hare's, did I call them?
3: You said Harrison's, you didn't say Well, Harrisons. Uh,
0: they were Harrison's and O'Hare. Johnny O'Hare was a big mule man in Atlanta there. He kept, he had, uh, I guess, 150, 200 head of mules that he bought and sold. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. He was a big dealer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They spent the winters in, in South Georgia for the cotton growers. They always, they were around Albany and, and, and all the good cotton belts, I mean, <coughs> they, they dealt in mules more than any other kind. In other words, that was, you know, people plowed and farmed with mules then, and, uh, but they'd trade any kind of livestock. words, mm-hmm. Well, they didn't mess with cattle because they couldn't move them like they did horses, but they had their wagons built kind of like a Winnebago or something, you know what I mean, but they right. they slept in those wagons, mm-hmm. and they were really nice. It, it was about as pretty a thing as you ever saw as one of them Irish wagons, but they called them gypsy wagons, mm-hmm. people, you know, local people were. No. But uh, they, uh, they never stayed over a week at, at a place, and I never did travel with them, but I camped with them. You know what I mean? Maybe we'd all be camping in the same area, mm-hmm. but uh, the women kept the money when they'd make a trade, While well, they'd always hand the money to their wives. They'd go to these places like the five- and ten-cent stores. They'd buy lace for these women. to get out and peddle that lace through the country. They'd swap it if people didn't have any money. They'd trade it for vegetables. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And they always had plenty to eat. They, they were smart people.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, um, well, let's see. Then, they came up here in the summer months,
0: yeah, they'd say, well,
3: they would just one group come up here, or would several different groups pass There'd be several the-
0: different groups. I've seen as high as ten families in one group. But they'd marry in... they were... most of them were Catholics. They were Catholic beliefs. They only buried once a year. And when they... <coughs> they buried in Atlanta, I mean, uh, they had a cemetery, or I, I don't know whether they cremated them or high. You know what, I never did go to that. But... They only buried once a year. They'd embalm them. When they'd have one of those burials, they'd all meet. It was, you know, mm-hmm. a protracted thing when, mm-hmm. when they'd have their funerals. But they'd never stay in a house. You couldn't get them people. They'd rent a house. They'd rent this house here and they'd camp right out there. Really? That's the kind of life they lived. They wouldn't live in a house. I don't know why. Never did know that would, would be the reason. But they camped wherever they, they'd rent a nice place in Atlanta put their tent right out in the yard or their wagons, and you couldn't get them to sleep in the house. You'd never get them to go to the house. And they'd never go to a hotel. they always camped.
3: Yeah.
0: That was the life they'd lived, and you know what I mean. They didn't want to get away from it. Well,
3: whereabouts
0: around here would they camp? Oh, at Hiawassee, they'd always camp near a little town. You know what I mean, where they could get uh, groceries and things that, that, that they had to have. But... Uh, they camped Hawesie, Hayesville, North Carolina, or Clayton. They used to camp. Come right through here. They traveled by wagon, don't you know? Mm-hmm. Kind of like Ringling Brothers Circus. It used to travel the roads before the railroads and highways got where But Ringling Brothers could go by train. They went by wagon. And when I was only a kid, just a tiny kid, Ringling Brothers come to Hawesie, a small little town. As Hawesie, I don't guess it's over. Not over 2,000 inhabitants yet. Yeah.
1: Huh.
0: That's right. And today they don't stop nowhere only in the big cities. It takes a good big city yeah. to uh, get Raymond Brothers to even stop there because they have so much overhead, don't you know?
3: Mm. Well, did the gypsies, um, the ones, that the ones you were familiar with, did they have a certain route they'd take every year? No they just sort of wander? They'd, they'd come
0: north in the summer. They'd spend up here in these mountains in the summer, and they'd never stay over a week at a place, but they'd move from little town <coughs> to town, don't you know? It was cool, and they enjoyed it up here. But they'd get away from the mosquitoes and the heat. Right, right. But, uh, but the,
3: they didn't have a certain route they followed every
0: year? No, uh huh. But in the winter, the they'd always go south. They'd hit the cotton belts, and they'd go way down south, too. They didn't just stop and in uh, middle Georgia, they'd go come on down to the Florida line. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> well, um, did they, when they went back down, in down in Georgia, farther down in Georgia, did did a whole, would a whole bunch of them meet down there? No,
0: they kind of, they split up and had territories, in other words, if one of them had maybe two or three counties, he called that his country. He didn't want nobody, none of these other Gypsies in there trading, I mean, they'd, they'd fall out among themselves oh, really? that way. Yeah, they'd fall out among themselves that way, uh, they'd want their territory, don't you know, and they didn't want no other <laughs> Move moving in all. Well,
3: so would one group of gypsies have one territory in right. South Georgia and one territory up there? Right.
0: Mm. They called them gypsies, but it would make a matter anything to call them a gypsy. They wanted to call them Irish traders. Irish traders. Okay. They were smart people now. They, they were a lot smarter than people giving credit for being they wore live clothes and a lot of beads and you know looked kind of like Indians in a way. I mean they wore their hair long. Uh, I call a lot of the young kids that go around now you know their hair long and, and dressing so funny. I call them gypsies. I say they look like a bunch of gypsies. I've got a grandson wearing a beard. I, I never did see none of the men wearing a beard but the women wore live clothes more so than the men.
3: Mm-hmm. So
0: how how many wagons might there be in, in a group? Oh, fifteen to twenty. They, you know what I mean. They uh, they'd have all the horses and mules you ever thought about seeing. You'd see it with them. They kept a drove anywhere from ten to twelve head to each family, don't you know?
1: Oh.
0: And it it was kind of like seeing a circus come down. <laughs> and see them pass through the country.
1: Yeah, I bet. But well, I
0: always got along with them. A lot of people didn't like them, but I, they always treated me good, and I always, you know what I mean, treated them good. I never did have no enemies among them. Well, what
3: did most of the people around here think of them?
0: Well, the ones that they get the best of, if they cheated them in a trade, well, they had it in for them. Yeah. But uh, uh, a lot of people accused them of stealing. I never saw one of them steal anything yet. They'd out-talk you. They, they, they could out-talk you while they take you for a ride, but I never did see any of them steel. I mean, you know, shoplift, like a lot of the people we got right here, even in Clayton. Well,
3: um, do you know when they came over from Ireland?
0: No, I don't.
3: Do you know how long they traveled around in this area?
0: Oh, for over 50 years.
3: And when's the last time you
1: saw a
0: real group? Well, uh, since the mules and horses went, well, they cut them up into small groups now. In other words, you see, they'll have their wives maybe in Gainesville. They'll work this territory. The men will. And they go in trucks and cars now.
3: Can you give me a rough idea when the last time you saw a real gr- a group of them with horses and everything was? Oh, in it's In the thirties, or...?
0: It's been forty years ago.
3: Mm-hmm. Can you tell us of any stories about when you traded with them? You remember any no, I
0: never did trade with them too much because they were smarter. I always, if I uh, met somebody that knew more than I did, you know what I mean? I didn't, uh, I didn't have a chance to make any money off of him because uh, if anybody knows more than you do, well, you better let them alone.
1: Yeah. I see.
0: <laughs> you can't make no money somebody. And I'll, I'll hand it to them—they were all smart when it comes to knowing the age of a horse. They could see into a mule or a horse. You know what I mean, if there's anything wrong with it, they'd kick it just like that. Mm-hmm. The ho- a lot of horses used to, they'd be moon-eyed. Their eyes would go once a week out of every month. They'd be blind as a bat. Well, them ditches were bad to handle kickers. They'd handle, they, you'd see plow-kicking news. It would, would maybe work good to a wagon. They'd be driving him along here to a wagon. You wouldn't think about what he'd plow, and we'd just show him a plow stop, and he'd go to kick it. Well, they'd trade him off. The next day, they'd send somebody back, trade them out in those streets for about half what he'd give for it. because when a man gets sick then he can cheat him <laughs> they were smart i never did trade none with them because they were just too smart for me i wouldn't try to trade with them i was afraid of them, in other words
2: well thank you so much for joining us today um i hope you enjoyed this kind of uh off the wall topic as much as i did and we will certainly be back next month with a fresh podcast for you. As always, I love to hear what you all think of the podcast to make sure I'm putting out there what you want to listen to. So please leave us a review or give us a rating that helps other people find the podcast, share with a friend, um, send me an email at at itstilllivesatfoxfire.org. You can also find more podcasts um, on our website at www.foxfire.org. Head on over to the menu bar and just drop down to podcasts and you can listen to Uh, Any episode from our past three seasons. Yes, we are in season three already. And looking forward to bringing you more content. Um, As always, take care, be well, and we'll talk to you next time. If you don't like that, you can throw it away. I like it.